0: It talks to you now. The Zoom talks to you when you start recording. That's it's actually kind of nice. With no warning whatsoever. It scared the shit out of us the oh, first this, time. Did
1: they not did they not like send a little message of like, hey, like this is what we are doing on Zoom no, now? No,
2: no. Didn't even warn us. It just just went.
1: It just went. That's, yeah. No, that I don't like that. I don't like yeah, that part. Yeah,
0: that was like, I don't know, like three or four episodes ago was the first time it happened. And as soon as I hit record, you know, we're ready to go. We're ready to talk Yankees baseball. And it told us we were being recorded, which obviously we knew because we were beat. Like I was the one who hit record. Yeah. But it scared the shit out of us.
1: That's fair. That would, that would it throw me like off too.
2: Immediately the two of us just instantly go.
1: Cause how many episodes have you guys done on zoom now? Like 30? Well, like, I think,
0: I think more 40, than that. I know. I don't know when 50. we switched over from Skype. To zoom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's I been such remember. a long year and
1: a half. Who knows?
0: Yeah. Who knows? It was, uh, I think we were still using Skype because I know we, we did Skype for the interview with Rachel. Cause I don't we think, yes. yeah. Cause I don't think we knew how to do zoom yet. Um, but yeah, sometime during the pandemic. But let me let me introduce the podcast quick because I know every time we have someone on I forget to do it. This is episode 107 of the Bleacher Creatures Yankees podcast presented by Elite Sports New York, Crossing Broad, Warwick Gaming, Xcel Media, and as always Rivercrest NYC. We have our resident stats genius in the house today, Max Greenfield, much better title than stats guru. Uh just let Emily know that one real quick. Uh Max, what's going on, buddy?
1: Not much. Uh it's been a terrible day in sports if i do say so myself it's been just uh every bit of news that has come out today has just been awful like so bad so bad I, w- I woke up this morning and i live on the west coast for our listeners i live in california so it's currently 100 degrees here so already off to a bad yeah. start uh and i see that chris paul is in quarantine for covid uh protocols and i'm like okay well hopefully he didn't break the rules no it just turns out he tested positive for COVID after getting the vaccine. So that sucked. Then I saw that Kawhi Leonard was ruled out of game five. And I was like, well, that's not good because he's been playing really well. And it's like really fun to watch. Then it went from, well, you know, it's out indefinitely to, well, he has a knee sprain. Actually, we think he tore his ACL. And it's like, oh my God, every tweet is worse. Stop, just like stop talking. And then uh, obviously, you know, I was looking at reports this morning of a bunch of pitchers, their spin rates were down, which is what we're going to talk about today. Uh and command was not great yesterday. Um, I'm sure watching that Yankees Blue Jays game was infuriating for pretty much the entire game if you're watching for the pitching because nobody had good control the entire game. Um, and then you know, everyone's I don't know who if most people know who this person is, but if you do, you you definitely don't like this person. Uh Brian Spader, who has been on MLB Network before, decided that you know. Today seems like a really good day to just throw out allegations that are not necessarily true or I don't really have good evidence for. But a couple players, more than one, how many there are, could be a couple, could be more than one, could be two, could be 20. I don't know. He didn't specify. Uh, And I'm just going to say whatever they told me. And most of it was garbage. uh, And it just looked bad and it looked bad to be naming specific players like Adrian Beltre's. The Adrian Beltre one probably was the one that upset me the most just because it was so unnecessary. One. It was so it, unnecessary. It, it just it was also the one that made the least sense. Where it was like, what so for those who don't know, he tweeted that Adrian Beltre's cousin, right, would use binoculars to look in at the signs of the catcher, which by the way, if you're using binoculars to look in at the signs of catcher, you have really good vision because that's not Easy to see. That's four hundred like, feet. Yeah, four hundred. Like that's, that's so that's many feet. Far. That if I ran four hundred
0: feet right now, I would need an oxygen mask.
1: So, so if this were true, his cousin has amazing vision, and good for him. Honestly, like that's just impressive. At that point, like yeah, God has absolutely. blessed you with great vision. uh So he said that his cousin would look in with binoculars to get the signs, and then would wave a towel or shirt or something if a curveball was coming. And then yeah. he cited his home and road splits of 2017, which completely ignores, the, or 2018, I can't remember, but which completely ignores the fact that Texas at the time was a very hitter-friendly ballpark, like an extremely hitter-friendly ballpark up there with Yankee Stadium, like when he named that the Yankees had used cameras to film pitchers' grips, uh, which honestly, that might be true. That, But again, that's not necessarily illegal. You might not be doing anything illegal there if you're not relaying it live. If you're just looking at pitcher's grips cuz you want to know what they're throwing, that's fine. Like sometimes a broadcast angle can't get you that. You might not have the angle, so you just want to be able to see it. That might be okay. But he didn't specify and then he left it up to interpretation that they were doing it live and that Aaron Judge look at his 2017 road and home splits, which first of all, if you just look at a spray chart, the home and road splits will make sense. He hit balls really hard just some of them left Yankee stadium and others didn't leave other ballparks. It didn't, it doesn't take much to figure that out. Um, so he, which also he had like a 1200 OPS at home and like a 900 OPS on the road. So he went from Barry bonds at home to basically, I don't know, JD Martinez on the road. What, what, what's the problem there? Like you just proved he was really good. Not not necessarily prove that he was cheating. Then he said, chase Utley was the biggest cheater in the game. By what? With what? With, didn't with, even say anything just, about it. I, I noticed that anything. too. He
0: was just like, Chase Utley was the biggest cheater in the game. I just what did he do? Him? What did he
1: do? did He's he a use bad steroids? guy. I don't know. Did he, did, he, like, did he use sign stealing? First of all, Chase Utley was out of the game before sign stealing really became prevalent. So he couldn't have been doing anything super grand with sign stealing. So did he just use steroids? Is that even like, what are we still on that topic at this point? Like I thought we had a much more nuanced discussion about steroids at this point in our time. Like, So and then the what was the oh, the what the first one was that the Kansas City Royals were the first team to have an analytics department and uh, video room next to the dugout. And then which isn't a crime and which which wasn't also wasn't true. That's not true. They were not the first team to do that. And he said it was during their 2015 season when they won the World Series. Nothing about that is illegal. Video room should be next to the dugout because players can go in and look at film during the game like that's fine. the implication there was that they were cheating from that. That's, this is dangerous. You're just, you are setting such a dangerous precedent by just saying stuff like that without any proof. And then the best part about that one, though, was then he quoted it and said, oh, a Royals player texted me saying that every other team had done that by now and we were not the first.
0: I mean, that doesn't but you just like why are you saying it then? It's like well, how many times do we see you know and I don't want to get political on the podcast, but how do how often do you see someone just throw something out, have a have a tweet go viral that's just not based in any fact whatsoever? And then like two days later, they just quote tweet it and say, Oh, yeah, it turns out this wasn't really what it was. But you already said it. You already you said it, it sit and you didn't there. delete it. You didn't delete it. You yeah, didn't now people you, you believe knew it was a this. lie.
1: You you knew it was a lie and you didn't stop yourself. It's so, it's unbelievable.
2: I can relate to this slightly, but it's not quite to the same extent. Like, I've definitely said stuff about, like, players and, you know, stats and stuff like that. And maybe I made a typo, but people kept liking it. And I was like, listen, the ratio is so good right now. But at the same time, I know this is incorrect. So I have to delete it just because my morality will not allow me to do that and keep it up. But I've definitely been there.
1: Yeah, that's like... Listen, if that was the worst thing, he, which it was not, so it, it gets worse. If that was the worst thing he tweeted and then he said, yeah, this was a mistake, it's not really that big of a deal, right? Right. But just every tweet in that thread got progressively worse. And well, here's was-
2: the other problem is leaving leaving anything up to interpretation by the fans is the worst thing you can do. Can't do it. That just Can't opens it. you just open this giant can of worms and then all of a sudden Aaron judge is part of the Freemasons. He's not, I don't think. Um, but you know, well now
0: we, now we got to delete the whole podcast. So way to go, (laughs) Allison.
2: Damn it. You're right. I shouldn't have given it away, but really, I mean, opening up to interpretation, especially with these fans as crazy as they are psychotic style, I say, um, makes it 10 times worse. So if you don't have an actual reliable source and you don't have any sort of specific information, I am not taking you seriously until I hear it from Brian, Brian Hoke or somebody else.
1: Yeah, it's just it, he tweeted all this stuff without naming his sources. And like, I get it. it you know, right. thing, when we go back to the Astros thing with Rosenthal and Drellick, they only named two sources. Right. But they said they had five. Right. Mm-hmm. But they said, here are the sources. Here's two yes. of them. Two of them are willing to come forward. That's right. important because that gives the story legitimacy. Right. Absolutely. And then absolutely. More investigations they had already done. Enosaurus today, who's wonderful, great guy, wonderful writer. He he basically said like this is dangerous because now he admitted that they are investigating these things. Like they know that they know these rumors, they know they're true. But of course, everyone knows that sign stealing is a rampant issue, and they know that it's been going on for a while. And they're trying to figure out who did it and who didn't. To, you're better off assuming that every team tried, right? Just like you're better off assuming when we get into later that every pitcher tried to use something to help their grip, right? So you're better off assuming every team tried and they're trying to figure out which teams were like actually making a difference with it, right? Were really bad at it or egregious with their use per se, that it was, you know, unjustifiably immoral and stuff like that, right? But now if you're a player that knows that information, if you see what Spader said, right, and you're that player who told them one of those things, you can't go out and correct him because if you do, you could be in a lot of trouble. And now if, you comes asking you about it, you might be less inclined to talk to him because you're worried that it's just going to go out there and not be representative of what you said. So now, you know, I feel bad for all the writers who are actually doing like real good work on this and trying to get it right. Cause now they're going to go back and have to double check everything. Some of their sources might not want to come forward anymore. And, now we're just back we possibly went backwards in this investigation into a very serious issue in baseball there are many serious issues in baseball but sign stealing is one of them in terms of on the field and it's just that thread just i got so mad because i was just like this is this is backwards this is we are going backwards it's also just such a represent representation of how bad baseball media can be how bad sports media can be that this guy who has a check mark on Twitter has been on MLB Network, wrote a book, and everything can just go spout these things, and there are people who will believe it because he has a check mark. And it's, again, it's dangerous. It's just, it's just dangerous.
0: Yeah, it's not that and- hard to get a check mark. It doesn't mean you're you're infallible. And plenty of people who have check marks have either straight up lied and know known that they were lying and just didn't want to deal with those repercussions, or people who just you know the the big thing with the Houston Astros was that not only did we have these sources come out, but we went and got video evidence you know the john boy went through all this tape and and found okay this is where the trash can bang is this is what happens next like we had this this visual representation this hard evidence that this is what was happening and when you just throw a tweet out like this with no evidence besides unnamed sources well why are we believing you
1: yeah it's it does yeah i mean if you're if you're adrian Belcher, if you're chase utley I would be like, what the hell are you talking about, man? Like,
0: look at Matt. Chase ugly. hasn't even played baseball in years. And he's like, why, yeah, why, why he's am gonna I involved?
1: Be, he's going to be on the hall of fame ballot next year. And now because of Spader there, it's a slim possibility. He has enough poll, which is stupid. He should not. He's a bad person, but agreed. Yeah. Uh, he has enough poll. To like, now the conversation around Chase Utley when he's up on the Hall of Fame ballot. And I personally believe Chase Utley is a Hall of Famer. And I think it's a worthwhile discussion to have. It's going to be, well, but Brian Spader said he was the biggest cheater in the history of baseball. With what proof? What
0: did he do, though?
1: Tell us that he did. It doesn't
2: matter because right now that's what people are hearing. So it's enough to make them at the very least question it.
1: Exactly. It's going to fester. It's going to be out there. And people are going to be like, well, but nobody ever proved it wrong. And it's like, but nobody ever proved it right either. Like the burden of the proof is on the accuser to prove that you that they did these things, right? You have to come forward with evidence, but they they never did, at least in a case like this, That's not always true. But in the case like this, like you, if you're saying, hey, this person is a cheater because they did this, this, and this, you need to have proof of that. And if you don't, then I'm not going to believe you. But the problem is, baseball fans are not always very intelligent. Uh, no offense to the people who listen to this podcast. Everyone who <laughs> listens are, to us, you, is are, intelligent. you are exceptions to the rule. Our people
0: uh, are intelligent.
1: They're psychotic, yes. but yeah, <laughs> uh, is that they're just going to eat it up? And now for the next, you know, day or two, potentially longer. You know, uh, you know, the real question is: Is someone going to ask Aaron Judge in a press conference at some point? Right? Hey, this guy said you guys were cheating. What do you have to say to that? And that's not a question Aaron Judge wants to answer. Right now, like he he's going to hear that question and be like, the heck are you talking about, man? Like, why? Why would I even address this? I, listen, I don't know if the Yankees cheated. I know Mark DeShiro was pretty adamant that they tried to have a sign stealing thing. And he just said it just didn't work back in like 2015, 2016. I remember he was like, it was too complicated. And in the middle of the season, they just scrapped it, right?
2: I mean, yeah, they lost to Dallas Keuchel in a one game playoff. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. They so, couldn't hit. <laughs>
1: So I would say, like, I think it's fair to say that the Yankees probably tried. Like, I think that's prob- that's the truth, is that they tried. And listen, every team did. And right. That's that. Does that make it better? No, of course, it's still wrong. But they definitely tried. But to say that there's evidence that they cheated, you know, like, in the way the Astros did or anything like that, I mean, that's a stretch. We just don't know that. It, they could have. I mean, it's possible other teams could have done it too. I don't think the Astros were alone. I think we have learned that the Rockies tried to have a scheme that, was so unbelievably dumb that somehow it was so on brand for the Rockies to do that. Uh, But it's proof that there there's proof now that other teams did it right there. You know, the Red Sox were found to have done something, whether it made an impact or not. And what the Red Sox did is minuscule to comparison to what the Astros did. But it's more just to throw these things out there without proof is dangerous. It, 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 you are playing a dangerous game and that was the thing that just upset me so much today was we had such bad basketball news this morning uh then that on top of the baseball thing And then I was looking at the reports of all the spin stuff, and I was just like, "Oh my god!"
0: I'm trying to wake up and have a nice, pleasant (laughs) middle of the week. Get get past Hump Day. Let's go. Get to Thursday. Get to Friday. Get to the weekend. And now I got to deal with all this bullshit. I got to come on this stupid ass podcast and talk about. (laughs) I like coming on this (laughs) podcast. (laughs) I have a good time here. Yeah, so so I
1: I went. I went to work today, and I was just telling all the players that I work with, and I was just like, "Yeah, it's it's not a great day for sports," and they're just like, "Yeah, really not." (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: So I do have to say, though, Max, I really appreciate you kind of bringing it up also from the writer's point of view, because that is something that, you know, we see it at the surface. We see how it affects the players, but also, I mean, like the Lindsay Adlers of the world, um, people like that, that are working hard to make sure to write good stories and to make sure they're true. And, you know, having this really affects them as well. So it's not just the players. It also is just a multifaceted approach, and it really affects a lot of different people. So I I appreciate you bringing that up. I think that's very interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, listen, I think for the most part, baseball journalism could use some work, right? You know, I think journalism in general could use some work right now. I think the, the best part about social media is accountability, right? You are being held accountable for your writing and your opinions and your research and your investigations. But I would say that investigative journalism is arguably just as good as it's ever been investigative journalism is really really still stellar like they there are journalists out there that are writing stories on huge topics and you know local journalists that are doing corruption cases and stuff that's still really important but the problem is like it's hard to improve the product if there's somebody constantly going to make it worse or make it harder for them right Lindsay Adler can't you know, do a better job if someone's just going to go and demean their work because they want to stir something up like, you know, Spader, he gets likes, he gets retweets, he gets followers from all this stuff. Right. So for him like that, that equals dollars for him, you know, that's that that's important. But for people like, Eno Saris and Lindsay Adler and Ken Rosenthal. And uh, other writers, you know, that are working on real investigative issues that are going deep on things like this is harmful to them. They, you know, again, they they don't know if their sources want to come forward anymore. They don't know if people want to talk about these things anymore. And it's, it's going to suck the trickle down of it, it, it also end, could end up being nothing. You know, that's, that's still a possibility. And hopefully that's what it is because it definitely deserves to be nothing because it's stupid, but you know, there's a possibility it's not. And that, that's, that's, that's a problem.
0: That's enough for people to latch onto and just take it as fact that this might be true. We don't know for sure because there's no evidence proving... It against it, and that's you know the double edged sword of social media that yeah, you're going to be held accountable for what you say and what you write, but also you know, if you just tweet something out and you have a blue check mark, people are just going to take it at face value and they're just going to trust it and they're going to run with that information. They're going to see it and say, Okay, I'm going to quote tweet this, and that tweet's going to do numbers, and it's just going to keep spreading and spreading and spreading and spreading. And then you completely forget about the fact that, oh, yeah, by the way, this tweet was proven wrong like two weeks ago. We figured out that this was false, but you guys are still talking about it as if this is actual fact.
1: Yep. But I always like to think of this as such a dumb example, but if you are a kid who grew up in either the '90s or 2000s, you probably heard the Marilyn Manson thing about his ribs. I'm not going to go into detail about what it was, <laughs> yeah. but you've probably heard that before. Yeah. And for years, you probably thought we that was true. We just dated
0: ourselves.
1: Yeah, yeah. You probably for years you probably thought that was true until somebody came along and said, "No, it's not." And then you're like, "What? Really?" It's the same sort of con- that. That's much stupider. Don't get me wrong, but like it's the same sort of concept that you allow this idea to fester and really that's that's how you know like 2016 happened that's how you know the election of 2020 was so close not to get into politics but like that that's how it happens that now that's real life like actually important stuff you know baseball is just a game but, but you know that's real life important stuff but it's still the same sort of concept and also spader sucks as a person in that
0: regard too so you know it's worth bringing up Absolutely. And I also, to get into the foreign substance talks, you mentioned something uh, on this. What's wrong, Allison?
2: I just, I, I'm just thinking
0: okay. something about. Yeah. The Astros,
1: she just really doesn't like
0: Spader angry. and is like, yes, I, yes, I'm here for his yes. slander. She got really excited for a second. Um <laughs> no, to mention, I didn't. I
2: was angry. I was angry <laughs> staring at the camera.
0: <laughs> so you said, we're looking for things with the science ceiling stuff. The Astros did it in a way that actually affected the outcome of games. And that's something that's really important when we're talking about foreign substances, because not all foreign substances are built the same. And I think the general consensus or at least the general narrative around foreign substances is that hitters have been generally okay with stuff like pine tar and sunscreen and rosin and stuff like that, which which is going to give you a better grip, but is not going to be, you know, making the pitch dance like a goddamn cartoon. And, you know, th- if you're going to throw hundred miles per hour, yeah. Load your hand up with sunscreen, make sure that it ends up in the zone. And then now we're getting to a point where we can measure this stuff like spin rate we have, everybody has access to these numbers and we're seeing like, oh, well, now Trevor Bauer comes out and says that they're not just using pine tar. They're not just using sunscreen and rosin. They're using this thing called spider tack. And it's, it's making the ball do things that it's never done before. And now it's actually affecting the outcome of at-bats because instead of a couple dozen RPM bumps on your fastball or your curveball, ball, you're getting a few hundred bumps on the RPM. And so the ball is doing something that it's never done before. How are we supposed to respond to this?
1: Yeah, I, so I'm going to I want to clarify everything first before we go into foreign substance. The MLB is only talking about foreign substances because they changed the baseball and don't want to be held accountable
0: as a for the bad pro, offense,
1: for the bad offense. They changed the baseball. They don't want to be held accountable. So they're going to blame the players like they always do. So that needs to be said because it's the only reason we're even talking about this. Um, but to go into it. Yes. For if you're a baseball fan and you think pitchers are just pitching without anything, uh, you are lying to yourself. Yeah, you're just <laughs> yeah. lying. Like, I don't know what you want. You're, you're just either a, you're lying to yourself or B, you're just wrong. So pitchers have used anything they can to get a grip on the ball since baseball was started. Right. There's that great clip of Bob Gibson back in like, I think the eighties or nineties. And he basically says, yeah, they've been trying to you know cheat since the beginning of baseball. It's not cheating. It's just getting an advantage, right? It's a competitive advantage. And he's right, like 100%. He's right. Um, so uh, also, it looks like the Blue Jays are. They're getting...
2: rocking Garrett Cole for the moment.
1: Yeah,
0: assuming he just
1: hit a home run to tie the game. So it's one to one. That's
0: fine. Shed uh, uh, followed it up with a single right after. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come nine on. Pitches uh, he's behind in, today. He's great.
2: behind today. It's fine.
1: <laughs> uh, so, well, it's, it's good that he's pitching today, I guess. Um, so sunscreen and rosin and pine tar were generally speaking the most common used right and those didn't have too much of an effect on spin rate and spin rate is just the amount of rpms that you get on a pitch it's the amount it rotates per while it gets to the plate and everything generally speaking depending on the pitch type but we'll focus on fastballs and sliders and curveballs because those are the ones that are most prominently affected by uh, you know foreign substances it, the higher the RPM, the better. The higher the RPM of the fastball, assuming you have good spin efficiency, which means you keep your hand behind the ball better, the ball will stay in in flight or up longer, which is good. That's what you want, especially in today's game. High fastballs dominate, right? Uh, and then the more spin you have on a breaking ball or more spin you have on a slider, the more it's going to move. So if you could add 200 to 300 RPM just by using foreign substances, there's no reason not to, right? Like, you should use that stuff, especially with the way MLB was policing it. They didn't care. Yeah, that's that's
0: the cared. important distinction is that, you know, when, when Trevor Bauer first comes out with these allegations going after his former college teammate, Garrett Cole, when he gets to Houston and all of a sudden turns into this ace, he's saying, well, they're using sticky stuff. There. He didn't say spider tack outright, and MLB did absolutely nothing about it. So Trevor yeah. Bauer says, okay, if you're not going to do anything about this, I'm going to use it too. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to go have a Cy Young season. I'm going to get a $40 million annual average value. And if you're not you know, going to police this yourselves, then everyone is going to know that, yeah, this might technically be illegal, but it's like going 60 in a 55. You're not going to get pulled over for it.
1: Exactly. So pitchers did it because there was nobody stopping them right and then this year they changed the baseball and it had a very dramatic impact i i still believe that the baseball has had a bigger impact on offense than the you know foreign substances because you know pitchers have been using these foreign substances for about the last year or two now and yeah offense had been decreasing but you know they were still hitting home runs still getting on base and right so you know it just had become a little bit more of a three outcome kind of game which you know that's a topic for a different day but so they changed the baseball and then they they blame foreign substances because the pitchers had just gotten too good and now we are going to punish the pitchers. but the problem where MLB has taken it is they're treating pine tar and then sunscreen and rosin and then just general like sunscreen or anything like light just to get a grip on the ball the same as like spider tack
0: right and they're not and that's they're not. they're not
1: they're not the same you know sunscreen and rosin might have, an impact of like 100 rpm's at the most, right? It's not really going to affect your spin that much. It's more literally just for grip, which does help your spin in, you know, you know, just the way it works, right? That's just physics, that's just science. But, you know, so yesterday, right, I was looking across and I was I noticed it because it was just so odd that in the Yankees Blue Jays game, you know, Jordan Montgomery walked the first three hitters he faced and he missed in pretty much the same spot every single time where he was missing. And it was pretty clear because he couldn't get a grip on the ball and he needed to throw differently to get a grip on the ball. And then Hyunjin Ryu, who has a sub 5% walk rate walked four guys yesterday and he pretty consistently missed in the same spots all day yesterday. Why? Because he wasn't using anything and he couldn't get a grip on the ball and he had to throw differently. Tyler Glasnow just got put on the IL and went on a giant rant yesterday about how he said he had only used sunscreen and rosin in the past, which is fine. You need a grip on the ball and that he didn't use it in his last start or two. And he felt his mechanics change because he needed to throw that way in order just to throw strikes. And he said, that's why he got hurt. He said he was throwing in a different way that his body wasn't used to yet. And he couldn't make the adjustment in the middle of the season, which is another key point here is that this is happening in the middle of the season. And so he got hurt. And that makes sense. Like that just it just makes sense. Like if you completely change how you're throwing the ball, you completely change how you're gripping it, you completely change your arm action in the middle of the season, your body's not gonna be ready for that kind of a dramatic change. It's just not. Like it's hard to do that stuff and stay healthy because you've been training your body to throw, I'm gonna throw three quarters, I'm gonna throw three quarters, I'm gonna throw three quarters. Actually, now I need to go a little bit more over the top. Well, your the muscles that you're using are going to be slightly different on when you're going completely over the top or at a three quarter arm angle. And those muscles that haven't really necessarily been used in that way are going to be like, this hurts uh, because I'm not trained for this and guys are going to get hurt. Uh, Hit by pitches are going to go up. Maybe not like a discernible amount, but enough like enough to be worrisome and then walks are going to go up. Walks are already going up and this is not going to change that. This is only going to make it worse. The outcome they're hoping for is more balls in play. And yeah, there will be more balls in play. Strikeouts will go down, but walks will go up. And it's not going to change the overall product because hitters today are still thinking like, I just want to hit the ball as hard as I can every single time, which is fine. Like that's the right process to have. Hit the ball hard. That's how you get paid. That's how you win games. Like, forget even if you are want to say that hitters are or baseball players are pure and they only care about winning the game, which is a lie. They
0: care about yeah, yeah. Get, come on, as they sh- as they should. This is their uh, job.
1: Yes, they. It's still the most effective way to win is to score runs in the most efficient way possible. What is the most efficient way possible? Hit the ball out of the ballpark. Like that will always be the best way to win that will always be the best way to score so that's not going away is it more difficult to do that and the hitters might adjust sure but they're still going to try and hit the ball really hard as much as they can you know people like to think about like nick madrigal who just got uh ruled out for the season the other day as you know we should be trying to go towards that and i'm no like the, the, i'm sorry but jacob Degrom's not throwing pitches where you can just dunk it into the outfield right he's not going to do that even the most slightly above average pitcher now like let's think of a slightly above average pitcher is oh i don't know let's jordan montgomery is probably above he's probably much more than a slightly above average pitcher but he's in a good example here because he just pitched yesterday uh it's still tough to get hits off jordan montgomery because he's going to make you beat consecutive the ball. yes it, he's going to make you beat the ball into the ground so you just got to get lucky you know montgomery gave up five runs yesterday but he really only should have given up three at the most Right, like he just got really unlucky yesterday. That luck is not going to be on your favor every single time. You know, one ground ball, the Gleyber Torres, or one ground ball where they're not shifting. You know, instead of winning, what do they win? Six five yesterday, or seven six. You know, instead of that, you win seven three, seven four. Right, you know, it's completely a different game. Right. So, again, I. It's, it's hard for me to tell hitters like, oh yeah, just because they're not using foreign subsistence anymore, you should go back to looking to try and hit singles and doubles. No,
0: it's if never anything, been the right approach. Anything's never been. the right Now approach. you should
1: try and hit home runs more because they're more susceptible to leave it over the plate because they don't have as good of a grip. Also, by the way, you might get hit more. How is that fair to anybody? Like this isn't, this isn't fun for anybody. Now, now you're telling hitters like, Hey, like, yeah, definitely. Still try and hit the ball as hard as you can. You also might get hit in the head sometimes. You also might get hit in the ribs sometimes. You're also gonna get walked a lot more. And you might see like instead of two pitches in at bat, you can hit maybe just like one or one at bat where you, everything you can hit because the pitcher doesn't know where it's going. Uh, who wants to watch Jose Alvarado pitch without anything? That guy. No, that amazing. guy's ball moves so mm-hmm. much. He throws 100 miles an hour and his ball moves like crazy and he has no idea where it's going with stuff. With stuff, he doesn't know where it's going. Without it, I mean, that he's arguably a criminal at that point. Like, he's he's going to kill somebody.
0: Well, that's um, why that's why hitters have been so, like, open about saying, like, yeah, if you want to use pine tar, use pine tar. If you want to use the sunscreen and rise, and use that because right. the benefit to you not putting a ball in my ear hole outweighs the cost of you getting maybe an extra 50 RPM on the fastball. It's not going to affect this plate appearance as much as it's going to affect my entire life. If you lose a hundred at my head.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's uh. it. it I think, well, uh, the other thing that flushed me about this whole issue was this is MLB is doing this right. And we all know that they're doing this because they don't want to accept the responsibility. They're also doing this because they want to create pressure and divide the players before the CBA negotiations. And Josh Donaldson calling out other pitchers about this foreign substance issue only helps MLB, right? It's like that's playing into what they want because now the pitchers and the position players, they'll be divided. Luckily, MLB is not smart and went too far and decided to ban everything. So now the position players and the pitchers are back united again. But if they had not done that, mm-hmm. right? They could still be divided on this issue, and that would hurt in CBA negotiations because then the hitters and pitchers would be divided and the players would have less buy, you know, bargaining power because they're not unified, right? And that's tough. You know, the one thing that worked decently well for the players in 2020 was they were extremely unified. They, didn't, they were not going to publicly say that we are in disagreement with each other, which is good. That's the way they need to be, especially in the upcoming season. But they're very clearly a part on some parts of this issue and that's important because MLB is going to use that to their advantage. They're going to exploit it. And it's tough when people like Josh Donaldson are trying to, you know, fan those flames, basically, you know, fuel the fire and keep them going. And that's, it's honestly doing more harm than good, right? Like people are like, yeah, expose those cheaters. Mm -hmm. Don't like, don't you are only hurting yourself because, you know, Donaldson has been vocal about player issues in the past. You know, now some of those players might not be as inclined to like Donaldson and want to, you know, him representing them. You know, luckily, I, if I remember correctly, Max Scherzer is still pretty high up in the Players Association. And so is Garrett Cole. And I know Zach Britton has been in the past. Um, luckily, those guys are, you know, pretty well liked in the game and, you know, have very good stances. And so it, it might not matter. But it could, as I said earlier, like, you know, these things, they might not matter and hopefully they don't, but they could. And that's the problem is that is that they could. And, you know, this foreign substance issue, I think, I think it's way overblown for one. I I think we are focusing on it in only because of the baseball. I I think if the baseball hadn't changed, we would not be talking about this. You know, people would be upset, you know, was discussed a little in the off season and last year that foreign substances might be getting out of hand, especially because of Trevor Bauer, you know, uh, you know, I, I remember the foolish baseball tweet that said, oh, he was closer to the hero than the villain in this story. And I don't know if that's necessarily true. I would, you know, Bauer said that, like, he had morals and that's why he would never use pine tar. Well, clearly, that's not true because uh, he did. And,
0: and he told everyone he was going to do yeah. it, too. He said, yeah. you're not going to if you're not going to punish me, I'm absolutely yes. going to so use yeah, this. He,
1: he didn't outright say I'm going to use it, but he pretty much it was pretty obvious that when he said the only way to improve RPMs at the rate to, that he did was by using something, then yeah, like he obviously did it. And it was to prove a point, and that, that's just the way Trevor Bauer thinks, that's the way he operates. Sometimes it's unexplainable, but that's just the way he is, and you have to deal with it. Uh but I think the the, the issue that that this situation has sort of presented is that we are talking about Trevor Bauer, we are talking about Garrett Cole, we're talking about and yes, those guys. Garrett Cole used something like it's, it's obvious what he used. I don't know. Is he, is he better about it now? Maybe, probably who knows. Check the spin rate report after his start today. If his spin rate is still in line with his last start and his season averages, clearly he just got a lot better and maybe it was just actually natural. That's possible. That is possible. Um, But it's just frustrating that we are having all these conversations about the players when the only reason that we're having this conversation is because MLB just doesn't, take accountability that's the frustrating part for me is that i think we're having the wrong conversation yes we need to have a conversation about spider tack and the really intense stuff because yeah that stuff should be outlawed it shouldn't be in the game i'm fine with that if you're using it to get you know 300 rpms on your fastball that's a problem and i agree that we should limit that usage but if we're if we're saying oh, we can't allow RAWs and sunscreen which mlb telling the players don't wear sunscreen when it's hot outside in the middle of summer
2: we have a whole nother issue on our yeah heads.
0: come on as as a person of of irish descent the idea of <laughs> going to a baseball game having to pitch in a baseball game without sunscreen I'm nope not Both gonna happen it's, no hands.
1: no no i I'm don't want to do that
0: arm sore today coach can't go can't go today
1: I, I, I don't want to do that so that's dumb uh and, and that's luckily that's where MLB mlB's mistake is actually a fortunate one because they're doing it all the same is that we can now say okay MLB is doesn't know what they're doing. And we can focus the conversation back on MLB. Will we do that? Of course not, because that's never what happens. It's never about the league. It's always about the players. And I'm just so frustrated with sport, you know, baseball's media that they keep talking about the players. But I feel like, uh what's her name? I Britt Gro- Gorley, I think is how you say it. Uh, Gorley. Na- Gorley. She used to be the Nationals beat writer. Now she's just a national writer for The Athletic. She wrote a story that basically said, this is Manfred's fault. And he needs to be held accountable for this. And the data that he's referencing and stuff, we need to see it. We need to know this stuff. And he needs to come out and prove all these things. This is on him, not on the players. This isn't the players' fault. This is Manfred's fault. And I was like, yes,
0: (laughs) that's the first national
1: writer to get it right. She was right. She was 100% correct that this is Manfred's fault, not the players. It's always Manfred's fault.
0: There is no sport in existence that has its players and ownership group more at war with each other than Major League Baseball. You don't see this in the NBA. You don't see this in the NFL. This is just Major League Baseball. They say, we got to put more offense in the game. Okay, let's deaden the ball. Well, how is making the ball dead going to contribute to more offense? It's still just as hard to hit, except now when you hit the ball, it's going to stay in the ballpark instead of leave the ballpark. and which is why we have this dramatic decrease in offense this year. And, you know, one of the, one of these important things about, you know, this topic is, you know, only one side, the pitchers and the hitters, only one side gets to use this advantage. It's not, you know, people keep comparing it to the steroid era. It's only the pitchers that get this advantage. And it's because MLB said, we're not going to police this. We don't care if you do this. So, What are you to do if you're, say, a guy in AAA? September's coming up. You're thinking, maybe I'll get the call up. Maybe the guy next to me who has numbers that are similar to mine, maybe he gets the call up, except he's using spider tack. His pitchers are moving more. I'm playing clean. Well, he's going to get the call up because he's better. He's got better results than I do, but we're an equal level of pitcher. I'm just not cheating. Well, if Major League Baseball says that guy who's better than you because his numbers, his results are better than you, if Major League Baseball says we're not going to punish him for doing that, what Why is to stop you do it? Yeah, what right, is to exactly. stop you from saying, "Well, shit, I'm going to do it too then." And that's how you know we get to this place where people complain about the pitchers are doing things that have never been done before and just even the base talent of these pitchers is has gotten so out of control that we have a guy like Jacob DeGrom with a 0.5 ERA. Like, how are you supposed to ever get a hit off guy? I I don't understand how he doesn't throw a no hitter every week. He's that good. And you're going to say like, yeah, well, maybe he's doing it clean, but you know, everyone else, they're also, you know, pitching with this spider tech stuff. That's going to make their fastball look exactly the same as Jacob DeGrom's. And you know, but we're not going to do anything about it, and we're going to allow this to fester until it becomes a problem where you have a guy like Josh Donaldson saying we have no chance out here because guys like Garrett Cole are doing 300 RPM fastballs. Yeah,
1: I mean, the you know, Gerrit Cole's fastball, his average fastball is 2400 RPMs, which is very high. You know, the difference between a 2100 RPM fastball and a 2400 RPM fastball is a lot. It's it's huge. I mean, it if you. Think about it again, as I talked about, if you have the right spin efficiency, the ball stays up longer, but high spin fastballs, they'll stay up better than lower spin fastballs, right? With regardless of spin efficiency, right? They'll be generally be able to stay up in the zone more. If they have the same exact spin efficiency, they'll drop hypothetically, you know, the same based on the velocity. But the difference is with more spin, it drops less because it's spinning more. It's able to avoid the force of gravity more. And so 300 RPMs, that's a lot. Again, I, I looked the other day and I saw, what was it? Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber started and he his RPMs had dropped rapidly, like 300 across the board. Adam Adovino yesterday was 200 RPMs for every pitch across the board. That's noticeable and that's bad. Like that that shows you, okay, those guys were using something very intense, right? But they should. They th- Again, they should. There are I,
0: millions of dollars at stake here, Garrett millions, Cole. If he is not millions. the Garrett Cole of Houston, if he doesn't start using Spider Attack or whatever he was using, if he doesn't start that, he doesn't get that three hundred twenty-four million dollar contract because instead of being a two ERA guy, he's like a three seven three five ERA guy from his numbers in Pittsburgh, and it's just it's Which on a still whole other. Yeah, still good, still a it's very still good, good pitcher, but it's not three hundred twenty-four million dollars. Exactly. Yeah, but
2: you could say the same thing about Trevor Bauer. I mean, Trevor Bauer has forty million dollars a year, but he had one Cy Young year, and that was after he started noticeably using something else. So, yeah, he got
1: forty million dollars a year from that. Of course, you should use it. Yeah. Why would I don't? I don't care that players use that stuff. In in just my personal opinion, I don't care. Like it doesn't bother me because you're doing everything you can to be better. It should it be outlawed? That stuff, sure, because it gives you a seriously un—you know—a serious competitive advantage that's actually unfair. But I don't have any—I don't have any problem that you tried, because MLB gave you every incentive to. As you so said, we're not—you're
0: was- not, not going to get in trouble for doing this thing that's technically illegal. Well, if we're not going to get in trouble for it, isn't it just technically legal then? Aren't we just going to assume right. that it's legal? And it's I also. Annoying. Just just to reference why this is so important physics wise, there is a point when you're a hitter in the box where you can no longer actually see the ball anymore. That's why this makes such a difference. Where I've seen people say like, "Well, if you know it's going to ride higher, why don't you just swing higher?" It's because you can't see that. Yeah, you can't see it. It's because your entire life, we're talking about guys who are, are 30 years old, have been playing this game their entire lives. The ball has moved one way. And they've never been able to see it, say, like, I don't know what it is, maybe like 20 feet out is when you can stop seeing the ball. You can no longer see the ball when it's there. And their entire lives, they've seen when a ball comes in like this, when it gets to that 20 feet mark, I already know it's going to be here in the zone. And now all of a sudden, overnight it's no longer there in the zone. It's now higher in the zone or a breaking ball has now dipped further out of the zone and you just have no chance in hell of because your brain can't even comprehend how quickly that ball is moving and adjust for the spin rate that you can't, you, know, you can't measure spin rate. You can't tell this is a 2,500 RPM fastball. Your fast eyes ball. can't see that. Yeah, you, you can't, can't see that. that. You just know from your life's experience and your muscle memory that when a fastball comes in like this, it ends up here. Well, now the fastball that comes in like this is ending up way up here.
1: It it you can't. That's what I think. That's also why this issue is so tough for fans to understand. Is you can't see it.
0: You can it see is. the breaking
1: ball move more. You can see the slider dip harder and like cut more, right? You can see that, but it's not necessarily noticeable, right? You can, you the average fan cannot tell the difference between a sl- you know, a curveball that moves with 19 inches of total movement versus 22 inches of total movement, right? They're not going to be that's able the, to see That's that.
0: this much, but that's the width of a bat. That's the difference between getting a, a single a pop or out. missing it. Yeah.
1: That, that could, that could literally be the difference, right? And that's why it matters. And that's why, you know, it's important to talk about. And it's important to explain to people that like, Hey, you know, this the RPM, I, I'm sure the casual fan has lost their mind this year because <laughs> there are no casual fans
0: s- here. Anyone who listens to this podcast, yes, hopefully you're, not. you're in it deep. <laughs> yeah. You're in the shit. <laughs>
1: Uh, the casual fans have probably lost their mind with all this discussion on like what are what it, how important barrels have become, how important exit velo has become, how important spin rate and spin efficiency and, and spin direction and total movement and all this stuff has become in just understanding today's baseball. And like that, you know, like generally speaking, that might actually be a problem. That baseball is very complicated, and teams and the media don't do a very good job of explaining it all. Though so I think for the most part, I, I would say media is doing a pretty good job with this situation uh Lindsay adler's like article that was about just like here's a whole rundown of what all this stuff is and what all it means and everything and like the timeline of it all that was really good and that was really helpful and so like if you're not sure i'd recommend reading that article uh that gives you basically everything we've discussed here and sort of a this is like i'm not trying to you know dilly dally or anything here like this is just given to you straight right and that's that's helpful um, but you know i i don't expect writers and Lindsay Adler has admitted that math is not her strong suit and i understand that uh you're a writer
0: your baseball math is impossible
1: yeah you don't un- you're not necessarily going to understand how you know pine tar and seam shifted wake uh, affects each other right and i don't expect you to and like you, know, that's because that's tough that's that's a tough concept granted i don't know if I don't believe seeing shifted weight would be affected by foreign substances because it mainly affects uh, sinkers and curveballs. Well, sinkers do affect with the RPM. I'm thinking out loud here, but that's... <laughs> uh, I'm now giving myself something I have to read about later.
0: He's planning but, his next dissertation. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm planning my... I'm going to I'm go back to grad school just so I can write about this. Um, but I don't expect them to understand how pine tar affects spin direction, right? It, it, it generally doesn't, but it does enough to like where you're gripping how the ball is released out of your hand with the grip is important and it makes enough of an impact that it's something good to know but I don't expect the MOB writers to necessarily understand the math behind that and nor should we expect them to you know it's tough it's tough to understand uh, but it's important that when we cover this issue right that we talk about Again, the MOB has caused this. And B, the players should do these things, that they should have done all these things. This is only happening because they should have done this, because there was no incentive not to. I I was talking about I work with pitchers and I told one of them, I think the philosophy around pitching is generally flawed of just like you see a guy throw a one-one or a first pitch fastball and he blows it by a guy and then he comes back with like a second pitch changeup. That pisses me off. Like, don't do that. You just threw a fastball by him. Just go back to it. Right, especially in the college level or below, hitters can't adjust. Even in MLB, hitters can't adjust because hitting is really hard, like really hard. It is arguably the hardest thing to do in sports. I would say it's
0: absolutely the hardest Uh, thing. For sure.
1: Is to hit a round ball with a round bat that is traveling at you at 90 plus miles per hour. You have maybe a second to decide
0: whether or not. My favorite point ever. Round ball, round bat, and we decided this is the game we want to play. You have to square it up.
1: So baseball is really hard. So I, like, I, that's what I tell the pitchers all the time: like, don't, don't make it easier for them, right? And this is the same thing: don't make it easier for them. If you're gonna use this to make yourself better, why not? Like, it, there's no incentive not to. And I don't remember who I was reading about the other day, but it was the one of the minor leaguers, basically that hypothetical you gave was true. That one of the minor leaguers said that they knew they were competing with this guy for the major league spot. And they knew that they were using all this stuff and they were pitching slightly better than him, but he wasn't, you know, che- quote unquote cheating or using anything. And so he went into a bullpen and he tried a bunch of stuff and it just wasn't for him. Like he just, he just couldn't get a grip on it. And it was sort of that reality. He had realized like, man, I might not get a shot in the big leagues because I can't use this stuff. It just doesn't work for me, but it works for him. And, yeah, that that's where that, again, that unfair advantage comes into play, right? Like it's an unfair advantage and that's something we have to work on. But again, if you do not cover this issue and say, yeah, this is all on Manfred because he created this by not enforcing it. And really, but see league and guys before him too. Like, you know, it's not just Manfred, it's MLB in general, I should say. Then we're not doing this issue uh, the proper, we're not giving it its proper due and I'm glad that we are having a better conversation, though sometimes I feel like we could be having an even better one, but we're improving that we are realizing that MLB created this issue, not the players.
0: Absolutely. And that that goes back to social media too, where you have guys like Trevor Bauer and you have guys like Josh Donaldson who can say like, hey, this isn't on us. We're just trying to do us. We're just trying to get paid. We're just trying to win games. And you know, if, if MLB is going to allow certain things like the way that they allowed steroids back in the day, then, you know, you're only really cheating yourself. You're cheating yourself out of millions of dollars. That's what it is. Millions, millions of dollars. That's what's on the table. That's and, and you know, a guy, the AAA example, the difference between not making it to the big leagues and making it to the big leagues. It's doing this dollars. thing.
1: Hundreds of thousands of dollars right yeah. off the bat.
0: It's doing this thing that is technically illegal, but is clearly not policed. It's, you know, driving 70 in a 55.
1: It's like doing drugs if you're an upper class white person.
0: Yes, exactly that. You're not going to get in trouble for it, obviously, but it is illegal, technically illegal, but you're not going
1: anywhere. Yeah, but
0: your life is going to be better because of it.
1: Yeah, it's one that's. That, I, I, no, okay. drugs yeah, probably that is, isn't
0: the best example for that one
1: <laughs> <laughs> no but it's still true it's it's basically the same it's not the most fr- family-friendly example but it's still accurate uh but yeah it, i i think as i've said before i think we've overblown this issue i get why because you know it's something to talk about first of all and the offense has just been so putrid Specifically, I know the Yankees offense has been frustrating to watch at times. I know this is a Yankee podcast. And we haven't really discussed the Yankees too much, but you know, it's, it's fine. They're playing right now. I, I still think the team finishes in the playoffs. I think I think they'll be fine. But uh I'm granted I it takes a lot for me to like react really negatively. And you know, I've been watching the Nationals a lot this year, so I've seen some mm-hmm. <laughs> bad baseball this year. Trust, trust me. No, they just swept the pirates, so whip. Yippee, I guess. I don't
0: Yippee. know. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, but, you know, offense is down, so that's why this conversation's happening, because they changed the baseball and blah, 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 blah. You know, I, I would be curious to see how many hitters feel what they say, like a couple weeks from now, right? I think that's really the key is a couple weeks from now, what do the hitters feel? How do they feel? Pitch, we know the pitchers won't like it. Like, that's just guaranteed. You know, th- that's not going to change. We We know that's going to happen. But – uh, I'd curi. I'd be curious to see how the hitters feel if they're like, no, we should let them use some stuff again,
0: like just it's the sunscreen and rosin or you yeah, know, the the just, major league approved, like here we'll give you this on the mound. You can use this, but you know, if you use anything else, I mean, right now the penalty is ten games without pay, which yeah, or which ten is games with pay odd. for a, and yeah, for a starting pitcher, that's one start, one start, right. that's it.
2: Uh, yeah, for the most part,
0: it's just. I mean, it it it's weird
1: because uh, I I I just don't get the incentive. First of all, it gives a lot of. I, this is something we have not discussed. That I tweeted about the other. Day. This gives a lot of power to umpires too. And yeah, that's,
0: Country Joe West is going to run with this. That's Sprint bad. Sprint with it.
1: Like, I I don't know how you've watched baseball on this year and said, yeah, umpires should have more power. No. No. No, I, the thing is, we're, we're discussing Robombs, I was actually not in favor of Robombs for a few years just because I really like framing. Like, I, I love watching Kyle Higashioka catch because it's fun to watch him frame. I like watching, you know, Yasmani Grundahl catch. I like watching uh, JT Real Muto catch. I like watching Omar Narvaez, Austin Hedges, all those guys because they frame the ball so well and it's really fun to watch. But now I would say it's getting just so egregious to the point of, like, it's just on... it. Oh, yeah. Being an umpire is harder than it's ever been. You cannot see these pitches coming in. Right. You just you can't. There's no way you can. And it, now we just got to rely on the track, man. Like we got to rely on the Hawkeye system and
0: everything. And, and everyone and has fine. the, the K zone on their television now. So it's not like that. You know, Aus- yeah. When you yeah, see I Austin Hedges frame a good that. pitch. It's like nice, good job, Austin Hedges. But when you add the K zone in there, it's not, oh, nice catch, Austin Hedges. It's I can't believe this umpire missed that call. That was two inches off the plate.
1: If it, you know, if you like, so you know, my little box here. Uh like if the if my little box was the was the uh strike zone per se, and there was a pitch that was just off. I really don't have a problem if that's called a strike. Like generally, I'm okay with that because it's close. You're talking about a mere Fraction of a fraction of a fraction of inches, right? Like it's really close. And even the ones that like nick the zone that are called a ball or a strike, I'm fine with that. Like that's tough. It's the ones that are very clearly out of the zone that are called strikes, like the Rugneto door uh, facing the Red Sox one. That one was egregious. That one was arguably one of the worst. With the winning
0: run on third base.
1: Yeah. Something Wasn't
2: it a like three? That. It was a three-two count as well. Yeah,
1: it was about it. it was ball four. It was ball four yeah. to bring up uh, either lemehu or somebody else. I can't remember, but and the way DJ was swinging, maybe it would have still resulted in the same thing. But that's you know, another another question. He's swinging better, so I'm just going to leave he it. He
2: is actually past days. Yeah,
1: since the Phillies series, uh, since the Minnesota series, he has actually played mm-hmm. much better. So which is good because they need him to. I have plenty of thoughts about the Yankees' offense, but we'll save it for later. Uh, the The problem with the umpires is just like it's just hard. I don't expect them to be able to watch Derek Brown pitch and know where that fastball is. I just don't. I, I think that's unfair to expect them to know where that is. Because well, it's the same the thing with the hitters. Can't see it. Yeah, yeah, you same thing with you the hitters. You can't, can't
0: see the ball when it's there. You anymore. just
1: guess, and sometimes you guess right. Like that's literally all it is. And so I don't expect the umpires to see it. And, I, and I'm okay with that. I'd rather do the, they would just come out and admit like, yeah, I can't like
0: see the ball. Yeah, And this is why we need robo-umps. Yeah, this is like, why it's like we physically cannot see the ball. We can't see it. Let's make the robot do it. Fuck.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, you that, know
2: what? That's half, fine. Ump, half a half robot. That's it. Half and a half. Just do it.
1: Yeah. I, I would say. with uh, Joe West
2: out there. I mean, just like chop him in <laughs> the him. umpire.
1: So the robo-umps like they'll still they'll have the earpiece and everything. And it'll just be a robot that says strike. Ball, whatever, right? And So they just call balls and strikes. So the umpires will still be there because, you know, somebody has to make the, when there's a bang-bang play at first or swipe tag at third or at the plate or something, they still have to call those plays. Robombs can never do that. Like, they just, we're never going to get there because that just, that sort of takes, you have to have the balls being tracked and, like, that opens up so many, like, dangerous mm-hmm. possibilities. So we're never going to get there and that's a good thing. That's a very good thing.
0: That's why we have instant um, reply.
1: Exactly, which... The problem—a
0: whole other, with, other thing. <laughs> whole
1: replay. Other thing. The problem with really umpires in general is, again, accountability is something that they struggle with, and they don't want to turn on their fellow umpires. So if there's a play that's close and it's pretty—it's not super clear, but it's clear enough to where you could reverse the call, they're never going to do it, ever. And they're just going to use that excuse of, well, there has to be clear evidence. Common sense would tell you there's no way that's pretty clear. It's pretty clear. We're like 90
0: percent clear. clear. If you
1: if you are more sure that the other call was the correct call, then make that call. Don't say, yeah, but I'm not 100 percent sold. I'm only 97 percent sold. No, that's good enough. That's good enough to make the call, even if it's eighty-five percent or eighty percent. That's good enough to reverse it, in my opinion. That's like, passing. Yeah, you're 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 in the B territory. Like you're doing well in that class, as they might say. <laughs> uh, so overturn it. That's fine. Being an umpire is really hard. I'm not here to just dog on umpires. It's a tough job with little bank. You know, you get guys who are really good at it, and you don't hear about them because they're good at it. Exactly.
0: The only umps I know are bad umps.
1: Exactly. I know Pat Hoiberg because he's a great umpire and that umpire scorecard account, you know, its bio says we are a Pat Hoiberg stan account. Yeah, because he's also a really good umpire. John Tempain is another guy who's a really good umpire. But you ask the average fan, they'll tell you who Joe West is. Angel Hernandez. Angel Hernandez or CB Buckner, right? Yeah. Or because they're bad at the job. They're bad at it. And that's why they know them. And that's, that's a problem. If you're good at it, nobody cares because you're doing your job. And maybe that's not right because it's a very difficult job, but it is the reality of it, right? And so this is far from the foreign substance issue, but if they are good at their jobs, I, I can bring it back to the foreign substance issue. saying If they are good at their jobs, they'll know what to look for, right? You know, and the other thing about the MLB rules, they umpire can go check just to check, even if they don't see anything. That's, umpires don't want to do that.
0: They do like a full body TSA scan. Yeah, they, like, they don't want to pat down.
1: They don't want to do that and most umpires some do but
0: most don't Uh, country joe west country joe wants to do the opportunity to go out on the mound and pat down jacob DeGrom. he would relish that opportunity
1: they don't want to do that nor should they like that just it disrupts the flow of the game you know the umpires they want the game to go as fast as possible they don't get paid by the you know the hour they get paid by the game they want to get out of there fast they don't care how long it takes the faster the better for those people though i would probably agree with them sometimes you know when we're on hour three and a half and it's the seventh inning yeah okay we could speed it up a little bit uh so i'm with them there as someone who has worked in baseball a little bit
0: oh it is exhausting
1: in, it is when you're when it's the eighth inning and you're checking down and it's 10 42 the The thought process of I don't really care who wins anymore. I just want the game to end. Actually, becomes the only thought that you have.
0: In your head. Dude, that's why. That's why I like watching basketball so much because I'm like I can just I can just sit down. I can just watch the Knicks. It's, I know exactly how long it's going to take, and it's we're going to be take in longer and than two and a half hours. Yeah, um, we're going to be in and out. But with the Yankees, you know, or the Yankees, the Padres, whoever I'm watching, I'm like in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking like. OK, well, like what's going on around the league? What's doing this? Let me look see how this pitcher is looking. And I'm like in depth paying attention for four fucking hours. And then the game goes into extra innings. I'm like, I just I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm done. I'm, I'm yep. cooked right now. My brain is fried. Trust me, the,
1: the, the, the good thing about the foreign substance issue is uh, while it might add some offense, well, it might. I should say the bad thing with the foreign subs issue guys, is it might add some offense. It will extend the games, which fights the whole purpose that I thought MLB was trying to work on these past few years was improving the pace of play. An issue I actually agree with. I think the pace of play could use work. I like the three batter minimum rule. I know people don't agree with me on that. But limiting Kevin Cash from bringing in a lefty, <laughs> then a righty, then a lefty, then a righty again in a single inning to face like one batter each. Everybody. I'm really OK that that doesn't exist anymore. Like, I'm really okay that that doesn't exist anymore. That was infuriating at times. And I don't blame Kevin Cash for doing that. You know, that's just being a good manager is playing the best matchups you possibly can. But I also hated it. So I'm glad that's gone. But I also understand that some people just really like baseball and want to watch as much as it is possible. I love baseball. I worked in baseball. It becomes Less fun when you're working in your ninth hour of the day, and this game is an absolute joke of a game. It it doesn't. It's not that fun anymore. Um, so you want to get out of there, and this doesn't help with that. And I, it's, MLB just doesn't know what it's doing. It just doesn't know what it's doing. That's what I keep coming back to. Uh,
0: they'll never know. Okay, let's no. let's pivot because I think we I think we broke Max's brain. Let's let's pivot. <laughs> Max, what's wrong with the fucking Yankees? <laughs> that's that's fair.
1: Um, you know, I was thinking about this the other day when I was watching I was watching the Nationals play and then I went and flipped over to the Yankee game. Uh and let me say that the Nationals have not been a joy to watch either this year. It's been uh frustrating when Max Scherzer doesn't
0: pitch. It's
1: been pretty rough. Uh and now he's hurt. Uh, so yeah, but you know. their
0: their Twitter community doesn't eat itself alive when they're not winning.
1: <laughs> no, because they 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 not have the you know reasonable expectations, uh, <laughs> which helps. The other, what I would say about the Yankees is, first of all, they've we have to take expected stats with a bit of a grain of salt this year because of the baseball, as I said, and it's not traveling as far, and the, the exit velo on it is actually up. You can hit it harder, and it won't go as far. Stupid. Um, So expected stats, you have to take them with a little bit of a grain of salt, but no team has underperformed their expected WOBA on their team WOBA by more than 0.09 in a single season, right? So we need to keep that in mind. Generally speaking, teams are performing around where they should, right? The Yankees are currently underperforming their expected WOBA by 0.24. That's a lot. A lot a lot. Mm -hmm. So part of it is luck. Uh... You know, another part is they're hitting the ball on the ground way too much,
0: like way too much. Oh, no, no, no. Max, I was told that hitting fly (laughs) balls and trying to hit home runs was bad offense. I was told that we're supposed to hit singles now.
1: Apparently, Gleyber Torres took that message a little too much. I Gleyber Torres, his plate discipline is great. Like he's been laying off pitches better than he ever has before. But the problem is he's not swinging hard. He's going up there just trying to hit the ball, which I would tell him, like, keep your approach where you're not chasing these pitches and right. But when you swing, swing with authority.
0: There's no power anymore. There's
1: no power. He's not trying to hit home runs. And sure, he didn't have a ton of power in the minors. Maybe 38 home runs is a little unreasonable to expect from him. But 20 to 25 is reasonable for him. He should be doing that. And he's on pace for like nine. That's a problem. Uh, LeMahieu is the same sort of thing, uh, though he's elevate he since it's Minnesota series, he's been elevating a little bit more. His ground ball rate is going down. So that's good. Um, and then really, that that's the problem is just Urshela, Torres and LeMahieu. They just they, when they make contact, it's on the ground. And that's just the problem is
0: don't don't do that's that. part of don't. why the Yankees are leading the league and hitting into double plays this year. Yeah.
1: It, I would say that the Yankees should honestly strike out more. They should be willing no, to strike Twitter, out more. Twitter's going no, to come they're that. not going to. They're not going to like that. But they're going to come for you should, for that. <laughs> they should be willing to strike out more if that means they're getting better swings. That might not necessarily mean they hit more home runs, though. It should in in theory um, that they'll hit more. They'll hit the ball harder. And you know, look at Gary Sanchez this year. Gary Sanchez struck out at an unbelievable rate last year, which was completely unsustainable. Anybody with a brain could have told you that, right? Um, so he's having actually a pretty good year this year. Like Mm -hmm. overall, he's he's gonna on pace for like a three and a half win season. Arguably he could get to a four win pace. That's like twenty seventeen level Gary Sanchez right now. Like he's
0: borderline all star.
1: Yeah, he's playing pretty well. Like he's actually had a really good year, and he should be. And Yankee fans should be thrilled with his performance. Really. He should
0: be catching Garrett Cole right now.
1: In theory, yes, uh, <laughs> he should be. But so let's let's look at him. The strikeouts went down, as we all expect, but they're still high. They're still at you know like a league average rate. They're still like twenty six to twenty seven percent, and that's okay, because when he makes contact, he's hitting the ball hard. But the other thing he's doing is he's hitting it in the air more. He's not, you know, he's still hitting these rocket ground balls at guys, right? That's just because he's Gary Sanchez, and that's, like, part of the what you're going to get with him is he's just going to rocket it at people, right? Uh, I'm sure something bad is happening in the game. Uh, the, the, yes,
0: the Yes Network just put up a stat about Garrett Cole's spin rates so far. And what are tonight, they down? Tonight, he's down to 2345 on the fastball. So it's
1: down about 100 RPMs?
0: Uh yeah, from his last start and yeah, for the first eleven starts it was twenty-five sixty one and now we're down to twenty-three forty-five. Yeah, uh, two hundred.
1: Uh, yeah. There it is. There there that's all you need to know. Um so he, he can still be very good without it. Um so anyway. But like Gary Sanchez is what the Yankees should be doing. I know people are gonna be like, but he's hitting like 230. Yeah, you. Who?
0: Batting average is stupid. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> like, I
1: just don't, I don't care for batting average at all. I never, I. It sucks that I write about fantasy baseball, so batting average is relatively important for my job, and it sucks. But <laughs> so I have to relatively pay attention to it. So I just look at like expected batting average, which isn't really that great of a stat, but it's still good enough. Um, but like, look at look at Gary. I mean, Aaron Judge is Aaron Judge. He's had another incredible year. He's been scuffling the last few games a bit, but he'll be fine because he does this. He goes on like a four or five game skid where he just, yeah, you know, not 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 his best. And then he'll go on a 20 game tear where he's unbelievable and then be eh, for four or five games and then 20 games. A great play and whatever. Wait, like, honestly, that's fine. I'll take that. Yeah. If you're if you're OK, if, you, if the cycle is 20 great games, five bad games every 25 games. I'd say you're going to probably be okay. Uh, and actually, you're probably going to be more than okay. You're going to be borderline elite. Um, so there's that. But the problem, that's that that's really the problem with the Yankees' offense is I don't think they're striking out enough. I think they're trying to put the ball on the ground too much. And I get it. Um, if you look at the last two World Series winners, the Nationals and Dodgers both ranked in the bottom third in strikeout percentage as a team. The I think what's different about that is that the Nationals hitters they weren't power hitters right Soto and Rendon were the only real power hitters they had really and Soto and Rendon aren't really power hitters they're just great hitters they're not hitting for purely power right and the Dodgers were the Dodgers, they're just an incredibly stacked team that are built to win because they're a machine and their owner was willing to spend money because you know that's what it takes. Must uh, be nice, <laughs> must be nice, yes. Uh, so there's that. The Yankees, like Stan's a great hitter, don't get me wrong, but his you know, his biggest strength is power. Aaron Judge's biggest strength is power. Gary Sanchez's biggest strength is power, right? They have a lot of power hitters, and that's fine. Like, you could still, the, the Yankees were one of the top offenses in baseball for years with that. And now since they're struggling, which is variance is possible in a sample size of 70-ish games, by the way, like this, this, while it's not what I would say an expected outcome, it was a possible outcome that their offense would struggle this much in 70 games because baseball is hard. It's, you know, it is subject to variance and luck. And so this is possible. We don't need to go blaming Marcus Thames, Aaron Boone, Brian Cashman, all these people for their failures. I saw someone ran a poll the other day. Was if you could rank who you would blame the most, and it was would you blame the players the most, Boone the most, Cashman the most, or Th- or uh, Hal Steinbrenner the most? And the the correct answer to that is you should blame the players first because they're not performing. Like it's nobody's fault but the players. Then you should blame Hal for not being willing to go over the luxury tax to you know readily improve this team. Then you can blame Cashman or Boone, whoever you you know choose. But neither of them deserve any blame, in my opinion. Boone's fine. I don't know why everyone's obsessed with him as a manager, but he's fine. They see that he's not fiery. First of all, guy just had a pacemaker put in. My Godfather had that. It took him like a year to really start doing stuff again. Like that stuff is serious, hard stuff. Not fun to play with. Like, take it, take it seriously. His doctor probably told him, like, hey, don't be doing some savages in the box kind of stuff You know, when you're in the games. That's not good for your heart. Which he would be right uh, to do that. And Cashman, listen, you don't last as long in the industry as Cashman has if you're bad at your job.
0: And not with the Yankees, especially.
1: No. he's He won five championships. And I also think the problem is, like, Yankee fans, like, they see the 90s and the early 2000s and just like, well, that's just the way the Yankees are supposed to be. We're supposed to be. Game's down. different. You're not supposed to win five championships in the span of 15 years. Like, that's not how it's supposed to happen. It's not supposed to go like that. It Because if it, if it were supposed to go like that, the Dodgers would have won four straight titles.
0: Yeah. And but, I mean, the game is different now where you have, you know, small market teams have rock. access to all these analytics and numbers where they can... You know, they you can make a better product. Yeah, you can tear yeah. it down for five years and build your team the right way and kind of find that window where you have all guys who haven't hit free agency yet, but they're kind of in the prime of their careers. Kind of, you know, the way the Oakland A's have done a, a really good job of, you know, putting together a consistently solid product yep. with analytics instead of, you know, these big high priced players. Everyone can do that now. It's not like it was in the 90s where if the Yankees go out and spend more than anybody else, they're going to have the best team. They're going to have the best chance to win. It's not, it's not like, like that, that anymore.
1: It's not. Money doesn't equal success. It does help. Because let's take the Rays, for example. The Rays are probably the smartest organization in sports because they their whole philosophy is we'll try anything. We'll throw stuff at a wall and see what sticks. And that's fine. There's no bad idea to them, which I think is brilliant because... But the only reason they do that is because their owner doesn't spend money, right? That's the only reason that they operate the way that they do. Now, imagine if you gave those people, those very, very intelligent people who know how to run a baseball team, who know to find talent, who know to develop talent, and said, what if we gave you a budget of $250 million? Now, that's the Dodgers. That's why the Dodgers are the best ran organization in sports is because they have some of the smartest people in sports, while also giving them the finances to say, make us win, I don't care how much it costs, right? That's why the Dodgers are the Dodgers, is because not only are they smart, but they have the finances to go and improve in any way that they can. They can go sign Trevor Bauer for $40 million, Because they have the money, because they know what it takes to win, they know how to develop talent, and even if they didn't have Trevor Bauer this year, they would still be the best team in baseball. Because if Trevor Bauer wasn't pitching, they would still have Tony Gonsolin behind them, or Josiah Gray behind them, or they would go trade for somebody, or they just let David Price start. And David Price has a couple has a Cy Young Award. So the Dodgers are the Dodgers because they take the Rays' philosophies and then just give it money. So to anybody who any. Who wants to somehow blame Brian Cashman or Aaron Boone for that? I would simply tell you that it doesn't work like that. It just it just doesn't. Now, if the Yankees want to move on from Aaron Boone because they want a more analytical minded coach that would optimize lineups every single game, regardless of what the players feel, okay, that's fine. That's a tough sell to the clubhouse, right? Like if you, you know, a lot of analytical Yankee fans say that they that they complain about the lineup a lot. I for one don't care. It does it just doesn't matter. Like it matters it affects the overall season of runs a game total runs in an overall season by like 0.3. It just it's not worthwhile.
0: Yeah it the doesn't. players hit or they don't hit. There's no, yeah. you know, having Aaron Judge behind DJ LeMahieu isn't going to make him hit more.
1: Yeah, if you put Aaron Judge in the leadoff spot or put him in the four hole, it doesn't really matter. Like if they don't hit, they don't hit. It doesn't, you know. You could order the nine however you wanted. It's preferable that you put your best hitters at the top and your worst hitters at the bottom. That's that's really all there is to ask for it. But again, it really doesn't matter if you're a good team. If you're a good if you're a bad team, then like you know, again, not to dog on them, but you know, if you're watching the Pirates play, there's no real reason that Brian Reynolds should hit eighth, right? Like. That's bad. He should hit in the top three per se. Uh, but beyond that, it doesn't really matter that much for, you know, the teams like the Astros, the Yankees, the Dodgers, or the Rays. Like it just, it doesn't affect it enough. But they, you know, if the Yankees want to move on from Boone because they just want, they think that now all of a sudden does, I would disagree. But you know if they if they think that su- does, uh, does suddenly matter, whatever, that's fine. If they move on from Boone, whatever. I think fans blaming him are are wrong. I think he's actually fairly good as a manager because his players seem to like him. They seem to enjoy playing for him. His bullpen decisions are fine. They are relatively backed up by data and that's really all you can ask for like out of a manager. That's, that's really it. I think the criticisms of like, Oh, he pulls this guy too soon or doesn't pull him late enough. You're not going to get it right every time. Like you're, you're just, it, you can make the right decision and have a bad outcome. And that just happens, right? I also think in the regular season, like bullpen management, there's so many more factors at play. It's not just winning the game. It's okay. I don't have this guy available, but I didn't say I didn't have this guy available, but I'm trying to avoid him, right? Like we don't know that information. We, you know, let's say Jonathan LeWise is not available someday, but it's the fifth or sixth inning. My starting pitcher is starting to struggle. I really should go to him here, but he's not available today. But I can't tell people he's not available today because if I say out loud in the media, yeah, Jonathan Lewis is not available today. The other team plans for that, you know, they account for that in their planning. And so you don't want to do that. That's just bad managing. That's actually bad managing, not what other people say. It is. That is actually bad. Um, so. There, you have a tough decision to make. Do I bring in a reliever who's not nearly as good as Lawizga in these spots? Or do I leave my starter in there who's proven to get out of it before? And if I trust him now, he might feel better when I pull him later in the year in these situations. Right? This is sort of like the Jordan Montgomery situation in Minnesota. Do you keep him in or do you pull him? It's a tough decision. Because if I leave Montgomery in there and he gets out of it, Montgomery has confidence. And that's good. That's important, especially in the in the middle of the regular season. It's important to build that confidence so that way they can go and pitch later into the year and pitch in the postseason, be confident that they can get and in, into and out of trouble and not feel like the bullpen is just coming on that them immediately, right? Because, you know, the Yankees, they don't pitch like the rays. Nobody pitches like the rays. They don't immediately go to the bullpen at the first side of trouble, regardless of who's out there, right? Even with Glass now out there, they would still do it, right? That's just the way the Rays are. But The Yankees aren't like that. They don't preach it that way. They never have. Should they? Maybe. I don't know. That's maybe they should. But it's important for Montgomery to get into those situations and work out of those and to fail. So that way he knows what it's like. That's important. And I know people like, but it could cost them the game. Yeah, but it's important for player development. It's important to develop as a pitcher to fail. And I know people don't want Well, it could cost wins. yes and early in the season the Yankees have not been playing to expectations so that stuff You harp on it a bit more but I have no problem with that because they need to do those things because they need to know what the, Boone needs to know if Montgomery can get in and out of that uh, situation or if Herman can get in and out of that situation or Tyone can get in and out of that situation right I'm a little confidence Tyone can but you know or, or really any of them but you know that's a different question for a different time Uh, but Boone needs to know that and the only way he knows that he leaves them in I know that people don't like that. I know people will be like, "But you should always manage to just win the game in front of you." Now, you can't. Because if all you do is manage to win the game in front of you, you will burn out your bullpen. Your bullpen won't make it. What happened to Tampa Bay, right?
0: The Even in, play, in a 60-game season too, in a shortened season. In a season, 60 in a 60 Nick game season, Nick Anderson in the in the, you know, most important games of the year, this guy was the best reliever in all of baseball and all of a sudden and their he's bullpen trash. blew out. Yeah, They were tired happened to the Yankees too
1: yeah the 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 starting pitching was holding up the offense for a while and now it's like you know we're about to see what's going to happen when none of them can use anything I think we're just going to see across the league the starting pitching is going to like take a bit to adjust um but that's that's important that the, to know to leave those guys in there for those situations you need to do that because you need to know what they can do and I know people don't want to hear that but you, sometimes saving your bullpen in June and July is important because that way they can pitch in October. And I know people are going to be like, well, they'll have time off and stuff. That doesn't matter. Like, Your arm is going to feel those extra innings in June and July because your bullpen was used too much. You know, look at 2019, right? I don't blame Boone for anything he did in the 2019 ALCS. I thought the decision to pull Paxton in game two was a good one because in those situations you managed to win the games, right? But the, you know, you can't worry about hindsight because if you lose that game, hypothetically, you know, they won game one, but like, you know, if they had lost game one per se, you can't manage to say, well, I need to leave Paxton in there so that way I can rest my bullpen. Being down 2-0 versus 1-1 is dramatically different.
0: When you get get into the postseason, it's win this game, win this game right now, do whatever you have to do to win this game right now.
1: Look what happened. The bullpen was shot. And game six, their bullpen, granted, they went with a bullpen game. Their bullpen was tired because Boone had managed every game to win in the postseason, win that game in the postseason, which is the right way to do it. But their bullpen had been tired because throughout most of the year, Boone had to manage that way because their starting pitching wasn't as good, right? And we saw the effects. We've seen it every single year now that the bullpen just can't do it. They just can't. And that's fine. They're not they're not supposed to. They're not they shouldn't be asked to do that because your starting pitcher should work deep enough into the games to where they're only being pitched every few days or, you know, two days in a row, a couple times a month. Right. Not a couple times a week. Right. You You don't you don't want that. And so that's where I think people were always so quick to harp on any manager, really. You know, it's just the Yankee fans are the most vocal. So those are the ones I see the most. But I see every manager get harped on of like, why don't you pull the pitcher here? Why don't you put this guy in here? Or Why'd you leave them in here? Or why didn't you leave them in here? And there's just so much more nuance to it than that. Like, yeah, sure. There are sometimes they're just straight up bad decisions, right? They're just bad decisions. But there's also times where you need to know what you have. And in June, you're still figuring that out. Like, it's still it's nobody's thrown more than 100 innings yet. The sample sizes are still very small. You guys can make changes. Still, it becomes less likely from here on out, and you can start managing differently. But from now, like you still manage the same way in June that you were in May and that you were in April.
0: Well, especially now, back, if, if foreign substances are going to be banned, yeah. then it's like, all right, let's, now it's even let's actually figure out what, what we have going on here. Is, yeah. is there some kind of level of concern with Gary Cole? Probably not. Is there some kind of level of concern with somebody else? Maybe like an overall, Chapman, who knows? Who knows? And we have to, That's those are the things you got to get ironed out now when the games don't really matter all that much. Then, you know, down the stretch in September, if you're still in a race, then you can make those adjustments if you need to make those adjustments. Uh, yeah. If you're in October, you know, you can do whatever you need to do in that game. Right now, mid-June, you know, if we lose a game, there's plenty of time to come back from that. I know, yeah. You know, every game counts. Yeah, 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 whatever. But you can, you know, you can't really make an adjustment in September that you can make in June if you have to do that. It's easier
1: to leave guys in longer in June and May to see what they have. So that way you're more informed in September and October. If I leave Domingo Herman in the sixth, you know, in there with two guys on in the seventh inning to see what he has. That informs my decision again in September. Because if I keep putting him in those situations and keep seeing what he has early in the season, I know what he has what he can do. Right. Now, sometimes it's different because, you know. Pitcher stuff is moving better than on some days than it is on another, but still that's in the back of your mind. That's why Blake Snell got pulled from that game. You no, know, because he had a
0: track record of not being a able track to record. do this.
1: Exactly. And you need to establish that track record as a manager. You're not gonna you're not gonna be able to know if they've never been there before. But Blake Snell had been there plenty, and he had failed pretty much all the time in that situation. So guess what? They just didn't put him in the situation again. They they made what they thought was the right decision because yeah, that was the right decision in their mind because they had a track record at this point. So at any time a fan complains, oh they're leaving them in too long, it's to, it's all data. It's all data. It's all being used. I everything
0: is data, everything all analytics, is data. everything is data.
1: Everything. Everything is data.
0: <laughs> okay. I think I have I have one more question. And I'm going to ask you just right away, don't break my heart when you answer this. I'm going to be really upset if you answer this a certain way. Is there any chance that the Yankees can acquire Cattell Marte? Since he has so many years of control, I don't know why Arizona would want to trade him. And are the Yankees even going to be able to outbid anyone else with the prospects that we have? Because he has so much defensive versatility, he can play almost anywhere. Is there any chance that the Yankees get Catal Marte? Because I want him so badly.
1: Any chance? Yeah, of course. Of course. Because they're the Yankees. I mean, on a whim, Hal Steinbrenner could say, ah, screw the luxury tax. Do whatever it takes. Right? On a whim, he could do that. And really, we saw it this offseason. Right? This offseason... As we discussed at one point in time, which was hilarious. The next day, I remember we I, I told you I was like next day tomorrow we could wake up DJ Lemay. He was a Yankee. What happened? He got signed. And I, but oh, that was, that was a fun time. Um, but so you know, it's yes, of course he could be a a a Yankee. Um. And the Yankees have the first of all, I think their farm system's very underrated. Their farm system's good.
0: Like, it's low level prospects. There's no one, you know, really hanging out good. in triple A who's like ready no, to come up and they, contribute right now. It's they you know, don't have Paraza, a lot of like yeah.
1: There's no para there's very few Perazas and hills, um who's pitching right now. And Luis Medina has seven Ks through four innings, last I checked by the way. He's That's nasty. He's got He's nasty, nasty stuff. He's nasty. Um, so you know the Yankees farm system is good, like they can acquire Cattell Marte. I think by the end of the year, the Yankees will have close to a top 10 foreign system. So they have plenty to trade from. Um, They could. I mean, the question ultimately is always like, does Hal want to, you know, they could acquire Cattel Marte. He would greatly improve their team because he could play center field. He could play left field. He could he's not that base. expensive.
0: He's, no, you know, he's no. under affordable He will be one, he will be yeah, one he will. day, yes. Yeah. We got until 2024 to deal with that, though. Right yeah. now, he's like, I think 12 million is his highest uh, average annual value when he when he gets to the last year of his current contract. He gets 12 million and that's it. And then, uh, I, you know, he's free agent. And we can deal with that then.
1: Yes, I would. I would say it's possible. I just don't see Arizona trading him. His yeah, value it makes no sense extru- to trade because he's the kind of piece like you know. Remember a couple of weeks ago, people were like, "Is Jesse Winker going to get traded?" No, the Reds should not trade Jesse Winker. Like he should be, they should be signing him to an extension and making him a core piece of the rebuild and what eventually becomes, hopefully, a playoff team at some point. Cattell Marte is the same way. Like that's what the Diamondbacks should do. However, if the Yankees came calling and said, "You know, we'll give you," Debbie Garcia, Clark Schmidt, um, Luis Heal, uh, another one of our low level position player prospects. Uh, except like, Dominguez. Except, yeah. I doubt Dominguez is ever getting traded. And yes. then like Clint Frazier and somebody else, right? On the big league team, Brooks Krisky or something, you know, guys with big league experience that could fill in on the roster now. Yeah. Arizona probably does that because it's an overpay, right? Quote unquote. Uh, overpay. And yeah, then they would do it. But the chances that Cashman and Hal offer that are low. But it's still possible. I would I think Cotel Marte doesn't get traded at all. I but I would say it's it it it's enough of a chance to where you should explore it. Like if I were Cashman, I would be calling the Diamondbacks and asking, right? You know, you know, can we work something out? Blah 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 blah, whatever, right? That sort of thing. Do I think it happens? No. And, you know, because Arizona, it's people's trades are always just sort of like inaccurate to what sort of happens. It's because the team motivated to sell their motivation to sell affects the return. The Cubs really wanted to trade you, Darvish, right? Really wanted to trade him, which was stupid, but they still really wanted to do it. And that's why the return from the Padres really wasn't what you expected from a guy who finished second in Cy Young voting and has arguably become a borderline top five pitcher in the sport, right?
0: But you got a bunch of 18-year-olds back for him.
1: Yeah, but the Cubs didn't really care. They just wanted to get rid of the contract. That was what was more important. So the Diamondbacks are all of a sudden really motivated to sell Cattell Marte, which they shouldn't be, and I'd be concerned if they are because they are a hot mess of a team. Um, so that affects it. If the Dynamax become very, you know, motivated to trade Catal Marte, then he'll get traded. If the Rangers become very motivated to trade Joey Gallo, then he becomes tradable. If, um, let's see who else, you know, I, I don't know the motivation to trade Max Scherzer. Uh, I'm trying to not help my former bosses or anything like that on air. I, I have opinions on what they should do. I do not want to say them, uh, but. I believe if the right opportunity arrives, I think the Nationals will trade Max Scherzer. Um, But it just depends. You know, that division is awful. So the Nationals are technically not out of it yet because, realistically speaking, they could go win six, seven games in a row, which, you know, any team can win six, seven games in a row. It's, you know, it doesn't doesn't take much. Yeah, but if the
0: Yankees win six games in a row, it doesn't mean we're back in the division race quite yet. Yeah. For the Nationals, they're a little bit closer.
1: Yeah, if the Nationals win six in a row, all of a sudden, you know, they're above 500 and they're like a game or two back of the Mets for first place because that division stinks. Um, But, you know, so that's, it's different, right? Uh, So the motivation to sell for the Nationals right now is low. But will it be higher in like, a couple weeks, maybe should it be? Probably, but you know it just depends, and that'll affect things more than anything. It's just the motivation to sell. The Nationals have historically not sold. The Diamondbacks have, so there, you know, there's a history there. Um, the Rangers have, as we saw with the Lance Lynn trade and other trades that have been made, right? So that that affects things too. Is there a history there? Do you know what's going on? Do you know what the type of players that they're looking for? What do they need? All these things affect everything, but I would say the most important thing is the motivation to trade. And if the motivation to trade is high, it'll happen. If it's low, it won't happen. Even if they get a great offer, either way, like they get a great offer. The motivation to trade is low. It's still not happening. (laughs)
0: Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) What was that?
2: (laughs) John Carlos Stanton just knocked out Vlad Guerrero Jr.
0: <laughs> what That's a
2: pretty impressive fight! Now, I actually i missed that.
0: that. I missed that. Yeah, I, I gotta rewind right here and see. see what happened
2: <laughs> He took him out. Well, he was uh, it was just oh a no, ball to third base, and he was the throw took Vlad off the bag down the baseline. So
0: a little bit of a collision, just <laughs> a little bit of a collision. Wow, the Yankees have one hit today. Yikes.
2: He literally yeah. shoved him too. Like he put his arms up and then he just like shot him. At. I'm so sorry. That was really inappropriate because that was a great answer, but
0: it's all good. That's great. Max just finishes this nice, fantastic winded uh, answer about how, yeah, I don't know, Cattel Marte, probably not. You're probably going to have your heart broken, James. And Alistair's just like, huh. yes,
1: <laughs> it, 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 it. I'm sorry. Yes, Cattel Marte is probably not getting traded, but he still could.
0: Uh, I uh, yeah I don't know I want him so bad he is so good <laughs> very good very good baseball player in 2019
1: nobody paid attention to him and I was like this guy's gonna have a seven win season and nobody's gonna know who he is
0: yeah borderline and, uh, MVP in 2019 I was like yeah, yes he, he sign he me fi- up
1: he sh- arguably he should have finished third in MVP voting and instead it was Rendon which is fine like that was a fine choice but uh, I was just like
0: he's up there yeah, like Cattell Marte like please like pay attention to how good he is and switch hitter shortstop second baseman center field left field right field like this guy does it all
1: yep he's uh he's quite good
0: um all right i think i think that's gonna wrap it up i think we've been recording for like an hour and a half it's yeah. a long one We have, yeah yeah do you have any final points max anything we should be looking out for in the next week uh well, like trading for uh, michael to martin
1: there won't be any trades until after the draft <laughs> that's just that's just the way it goes usually it's like if there's a big trade before the draft then like generally speaking the player must have done something really wrong in the locker room um so there won't be any trades before the draft uh i would say that you know depending on how the rest of this game goes i think if the yankees win this game today i would say that you should be feeling pretty good
0: yeah winning uh, a series with toronto
1: the, I, the Yankees offense, though, you know today and then the last game in Philly didn't go so well. The Yankees offense has shown a lot of signs of life because they are elevating the ball, uh, which is good. Uh, Yankees starting pitching is beginning to struggle, as expected, because of the crackdown, um, so pay attention to see how they adjust. Um, and then, you know, just the Yankees bullpen is really damn good. You know, so as long as two of the three things are working well, they should be fine. I still think this team can win the division. I, they're Still incredibly talented. I still think that they will upgrade. Um, I'd also say just if you're a fan that thinks they should fire Thames, Boone, or Cashman or something, I would simply tell you to first of all, if you think you should, you should fire Cashman, stop. Uh if you think they should fire the other two people, I would say that's really ill-advised, but like okay, whatever. Maybe it's just time for a change but Cashman, Cashman's going nowhere that dude's gonna be cashman's here forever yeah that's who's the Yankees GM until he doesn't want to be as he's, he's he should gonna be he's at. gonna die in his office yeah he's like he's very good at his job so uh but if you're one of those people I would simply tell you to not just, just stop like just chill man yeah just relax it's, I would I guess baseball the- I get that as frustrating. I think what's so funny about... I'll, I'll end on this because I i don't want to insult your your listeners or anything, though I do insult the Yankee fans a lot. Um, they, they, they've they never experienced anything like this in you know 30 years, and they don't know how to handle it. This is baseball, what it's like for everybody else. For the 29 other franchises, this is what it's like.
0: And we're still above 500. It's not like we're a losing You're team. You're not it's out of it. it. We're the Yankees just, are we're just not out of it. Water. They could
1: still win. They're not out of the division. They're not out of the playoffs. The season is not by any means over. If they win, if they sweep the Blue Jays, which they could, they very much could, then for the Yankees, I would say that, yeah, okay, maybe the Yankees are about to turn it around. Maybe they're about to turn the corner as Aaron Boone likes to say a lot that people like to mock. Um, but again, relax. Like, and even if things don't go well for the rest of the year, which is possible, though I find it extremely doubtful. Uh, th- I would simply respond with that's baseball. This is what it's like. Like, this is what it's like to be a baseball fan
0: of another team. Imagine this being a Colorado like. Rockies fan. The only thing you have to look forward yeah. to this season is the team trading away your best player. That's it. That's all you have this year. Twice. Twice. They'll do two times. Gone in six They'll do it two months. times.
1: Yeah, the, 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 that's why I always say, would you rather be like a Rockies fan or a Twins fan or a Pirates fan than a Yankees fan? No, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You would rather have 30 years of sustained success at the highest level with five championships. Maybe, yes, you haven't won in 11, 12 years.
0: God, God have, forbid. God forbid. You know how the long baseball it's been finally gets, <laughs> Yeah. I'm a Kings fan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's we haven't made the playoffs since 2006. <laughs> we haven't been relevant since 2002 when we got chipped out of a finals run. Uh, so I get it. Uh, yes. I, it, it, just relax, relax. And if it doesn't work out, listen, it's again, at the end of the day, I love baseball. I've worked in it for a couple years now. It's literally my job. It's still just a game. Like, don't take it so personally. Don't, don't get so upset. I know people like, I know some people like, well, I'm also a Knicks and Jets fan, and they're terrible. The Knicks the Knicks just had a great run. Take that. Be
0: it's a great year for that. the Knicks. I was yeah. so happy with the first round exit. I was like, we did it, man. We made the playoffs. Yeah.
1: The Knicks are now a destination. They're now, people want to go play for them now. That's huge. If you had told me going into the year that people are enter, at the end of the year would want to go play for the Knicks, I would have gone like, What the hell are you talking about? No way, right? Relax. It'll all be okay. Everything will be fine. Life goes on. Please don't shout at people on Twitter or shout at the beat writers that they're the Yankees. My favorite thing is when they just reply to the Yankees tweet. Of like, stop losing.
0: pay better, blah, 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 blah,
1: blah, blah. Yeah, poor intern. It's like, yeah, goddamn it. The poor social media manager is just sitting there, like, dude, I don't control the team. I don't have. I don't have talks with them. Yeah, hold on, I'm let me get. Let me,
0: find, let me find. Brian Cashman's extension on the company phone. Yeah, uh, like, yeah, yeah, Brian. They want you to stop losing. I don't gotta uh, help me out here.
1: George L from uh, Queens wants you to know that he thinks you're a bum and you should start putting a better product on the field.
0: What's just, that? Just I'm it. Fired? Oh no! <laughs> You're just pass it along, the
1: message man. <laughs> That's my favorite thing. I love that. I love that. It's so funny. But yeah, don't just leave it alone,
2: people. Leave it alone.
0: Just chill. Allison, final thoughts?
2: Um. Well, I recorded twice during Brett Gardner's at bats, and he didn't hit a home run today. So.
0: Oh, we're still waiting for the first time ever that Allison gets to record a guardy party while we're recording the podcast. Uh, just not, not looking too promising this year, which might be Brett Gardner's last year. So I don't know if we're ever going to get it done. <laughs>
2: All right, so now we can end the podcast. (laughs) I feel like that's appropriate.
0: All right, we'll wrap it up there. Max, our stats genius, thank you for coming on the podcast once again. I'm sure we'll have you on many times in the future as per usual. Don't forget to tell Emily that Stats Genius is a better title than Stats Guru. And we'll see you all next week.